This is Romans chapter 2, and I'm reading up to verse 11. And then someone else will take over. So, Romans chapter 2. You, therefore, have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else. For at whatever point you judge, one, uh, judge another, you are condemning yourself, because you who pass judgment do the same things. Now, we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you'll escape God's judgment? Or, will, or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance and patience, not realising that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed. God will repay each person according to what they have done. To those who by persistence in, seeking, in doing good seek glory, honour and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. But glory, honour and peace for everyone who does good, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For God does not show favouritism. All who sin apart from the law will also perish apart from the law. And all who sin under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, but it is those who obey the law who will be de declared righteous. Indeed, when Gentiles who do not have the law do by nature things required by the law, they are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts, their consciences also bearing witness, and their thoughts sometimes accusing them and at other times even defending them. This will take place on the day when God judges people's secrets through Jesus Christ, as my gospel declares. Now you, if you call yourself a Jew, if you rely on the law and boast in God, if you know his will and approve of what is superior because you are instructed by the law, if you are convinced that you are a guide for the blind, a light for those who are in the dark, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of little children, because you have in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth. You then, who teach others, do you not teach yourself? You who preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that people should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who are poor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law, do you dishonour God by breaking the law? As it is written, God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Circumcision has value if you observe the law, but if you break the law, you have become as though you had not been circumcised. So then, if those who are not circumcised keep the law's requirements, will they not be regarded as though they were circumcised? The one who is not circumcised physically and yet obeys the law will condemn you, who, 
even though you have the written code and circumcision, are a lawbreaker. A person is not a Jew who is one only outwardly, nor is circumcision merely outward and physical. No, a person is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is circumcision of the heart, by the spirit, not by the written code. Such a person's praise is not from other people, but from God. Thanks, guys. Hi, how are we all? Good. I'm good. I just realised all of my notes are stapled in the wrong order, so you might have to bear with me a bit. Um, But I'm going to find my position. It's going to be great. Get ready. Hooray. (laughs) All right. So I had this um, great idea when I was reading Romans 2 that I could have the music, uh, check yourself before you wreck yourself, um, going on the back. I think it was someone else's idea, but <laughs> I was like, this would be great because um, I like soundtracks, um, but we also had amazing music, so I don't feel too bad that we don't have that. But um, that is the non-official title for my sermon, and um, today I'm going to be talking to you from Romans 2. So If you remember anything from my sermon and you just want to blank out from now, just remember to check yourself before you wreck yourself. Um, I'm going to tell you a story that I I read last year um, from the book The Heavenly Man. Um, Basically, it could be any um, persecuted church where there are um, people who are meeting in the middle of the night because... Um, they are Christian because they don't have um, freedom of religion in their country. Um, but um, Brother Yun, who's the man who's talked about in The Heavenly Man, he tells a story about how they were um, in a room, 2 a.m., 3 a.m., worshipping Jesus, not allowed in China at that time, and um, still not really today, but uh, they were um, worshipping. Chinese church generally goes for two, three, four, five hours, uh, not today, guys, don't worry. But basically the, um, the church was worshipping and then someone comes in um, with a gun. Um, they realise that the entire building is surrounded by people who um, are armed and that they are in a lot of trouble. The man says that if they believe in Jesus, um, they need to stand on this wall. And if they don't, There's the door. Leave now. And in that moment, some people left and some people stayed. Now, for this instance, no one actually was shot. That's rare, (laughs) not always the case. Um, And one of my favorite my favorite takes on a one of these stories um, is safely home, where. the man actually holding the gun, he is a Christian as well. And he has done this so that he can tell who's Christian and who's not, so that they know, um, they know who's actually sold out for Jesus, who's willing to die, because um, that's how risky it is to be Christian. And so for them to reveal who they are as Christians um, from another province, they needed to make sure that the Christians that were meeting were really Christian. I know, extreme. But I, I wrestle with this because I wonder how many people every day that say that they're Christian would leave the door 
leave through the door. And I ask myself this. And I tell you this because I think it's a really good example of a time when um, your mask is completely ripped off. You can't fake being a Christian, or you can, but there are dire consequences if you do. So I think um, this is basically the message of today, is to take off your mask, um, to allow God in. So the Roman church actually had its own brand of persecution um, coming for it. Um, Paul, writing in Romans 2, is writing to a church that um, is going to experience a lot of persecution and who are filled with um, people from um, the Judaic um, background and um, Gentiles, so people who aren't um, Jewish. Now, (laughs) it's going to be funny with my notes, Um, but basically um, today I want to just quickly... um, track back through some um, some caveats around Romans 2 because uh, Romans 2 is massive, um, just in case you hadn't noticed. And um, we actually, in the morning service, have a um, the same sermon series going and Mark has actually covered the second half of Romans 2. So if you want to hop on a podcast and listen to the second half of Romans 2, do that. But I'm going to be speaking to you from um, the first half of Romans 2 largely, um, just so that we can we can really dig deep into it. All right, now then. Man alive. I just have to go off memory. It's fine. <laughs> so. My goodness gracious me. All right. So, first of all, I... Um, want to look at the first first couple of verses because um, in these verses it talks about um, how God's kindness is the basis for um, for Paul's indictment of the Roman church that actually um, he's calling them out but um, based um, in this knowledge of God's kindness and in um, the gospel of Jesus Christ so he is um, doing a doing all he can to actually call out um, his brothers and sisters in Christ. But at the same time, I just want us to remember that um, it's resting in God's kindness. Um, all right. So, as we heard from Craig, Paul has just finished talking about um, a context where um, they're looking at uh, people who are not um, not Christian and not Jewish and going, what they're doing is terrible. He said, um, basically, this is what it looks like if you don't honour God in your life. And it's pretty easy to do, to look at other people and say, look at what they're doing. Isn't that terrible? Those wicked ones who do all that are evil and are really greedy, um, they gossip all the time, they're always jealous... I'm pretty sure a couple of them have killed someone. Um, they're always in getting in arguments. They lie. They hate. They're super arrogant and boastful. And they talk back to their parents all the time. Oh, horrific. Um, they just don't get it. They're not faithful. They always break their promises. And they've just got no love and no mercy for other people. And then we get to Romans 2, 
where Paul just completely flips um, all that judgment on its head, basically. say, you guys who are judging, you have no excuse. You who are busy passing judgment on other people, you do the exact same things. You do it to other people and you do it knowingly. Um, You judge them knowingly and then you sin knowingly. And you think that you can avoid judgment? Or are you just showing contempt for the riches of his kindness? Not realizing that God's kindness is actually meant to turn you from repentance, turn you to repentance, turn from your unright behavior towards Jesus. Now, this behind me is something that I use at my work, um, and we teach people about shame and about what it looks like when people are experiencing shame, when they feel like um, not only that their actions aren't good, but that they aren't good internally. So you might be able to read it, but basically um, when people are feeling shame, they do generally one of four things. They withdraw, they avoid, they attack themselves, or they attack others. And this right here is... um, It's something that I know to be true because it's something that I do (laughs) on a regular basis when I feel shame. And I would argue it's something that the church that Paul is writing to does on a regular basis. And it's something that humanity in general does on a (laughs) regular basis. Now, the, um, the reason I know this is because my mask is very up sometimes and I hide behind a mask just like the Roman church did and just like the church today does when they are feeling shame about things that they have in their own life. So my mask you may or may not have seen but um, on it is the fact that I love the outdoors and I really like coffee and I really like people and um, I really can't stand messy spaces (laughs) and I... um, can't staple my notes in the right order. And then (laughs) on the reverse, I actually um, struggle with stuff. I don't know if I'm alone, but I struggle with stuff. Um, I struggle with um, materialism. I struggle with being envious of other people. I struggle with lust. I struggle um, with desires that are actually not, um, not something that I'd want on the outside. I wouldn't want someone looking at me and going, oh, I know, I know, I can see. Um, But what I didn't realise when I was actually reflecting on this sermon was that the things that I judge other people for, I'll be like, oh, wow, pretty sure they're sleeping with that person, not so great. Or like, oh, wow, they're so materialistic. Or like, wow, they're so arrogant sometimes actually the things that I struggle with nine times, ten times out of ten. And so I would argue that the things that we judge other people for are generally the things that are um, deeply seated within us and the things that we struggle with. So I would argue that to get away from this spot of judgment and this spot of, um, of masks, we need to actually learn how to take them off. And in Romans 2, it sets out a pretty great 
um, example of taking off that mask and becoming um, a true follower of Jesus Christ and how we do that. So, the thing that it says in Romans 2, so that you cannot be hypocritical, (laughs) is to turn from your sin. And in this um, chapter in Romans, it's not just the sin that was um, being talked about in Romans 1. It's the sin, um, it is that sin, but it's also the sin of hypocrisy. So the Christian church, and again, humanity in general, struggles with hypocrisy. It's a human issue. The um, Barna Research Group uh, did a study and found that um, upwards of 80% of people who rejected Christianity rejected them because of hypocrisy from Christians. And that's, that's really sad. They're not, rejecting, they're not rejecting Christianity because it's hard or because um, Jesus' message is too radical for them. They're rejecting it because the Christ that they see is different and the Christ that they see and the Christ that we preach and the gospel that we preach isn't reflected in the lives that we live. Faith, faith in God, faith in general, um, is an important part of the Christian walk. And faith, according to Romans 2, actually produces those who persist in doing good, in seeking glory and honour from God, and immortality, and being with God. Now, I think that um, there's a story that I heard when I was younger about a man who went to um, heaven, and he, when he got there, um, he was being taken on this little tour of heaven by a little angel. Um, I'm not sure how legit this story is, but he was walking through the streets, and he looks um, to his right, and he's like, Look at that house. That's incredible. Um, look at the gold. It's just so sparkly and beautiful. And, um, and the angel's just like, mm, yeah, Mother Teresa's house. It's pretty, pretty nice. And he takes them to the next one and they're just like, whose is this house? And um, they're just like, oh, that's like, that's the Baptist congregation over there. <laughs> no. But then he, they come to um, the end of this um, little um, little street round the corner behind the dump and um, the angel hands the guy a piece of wood and a hammer and he's just like, go for it. And the guy's like, what? Why did you give me? Like, I want Mother Teresa's house. Surely I could just... And, and he's, they're just like, well, actually, these are the treasures that you stored here. Now that story sits um, pretty uncomfortably with me as a um, Protestant Christian who has been told a lot that um, faith is about faith. Works are kind of a taboo topic in my heart and I remember being being in a couple of pretty um, interesting discussions after I heard that, that joke because I was like, that's not how heaven works, surely. But in this passage, there's an element of there is a difference between the way that you live and how you will be um, treated. But the reason this sits uncomfortably with me is because it's not meant to make us comfortable. I think that um, 
in James 2.18, when it says, you have faith and I have deeds. Someone, someone will say, you've got faith and I have deeds. And James then says, you show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. I think that works aren't the way that you become right with God. Let me just put it super out there. But they are actually evidence that you have faith in God. And they're not evidence for other people, but they're evidence for you. And they're how you avoid hypocrisy in, a, in part. But overarching, they are important because they give you a, um, a sign or a, an indication, evidence, so that you can say, yeah, God is changing my life. Works, um, faith without works isn't um, just sleeping. It's actually, it's actually dead, is the language that the Bible uses. And Romans is pretty clear. His kindness is actually meant to turn you from your sin, which means it changes the way that you live. Now, in Romans 2.13, there is a strange category of people, um, of people who do the things of the law. In a sense, that's uh, yet unexplained in Romans. Even though by birth, these people who do the things of the law, um, they don't possess the law. Regardless, they're going to find themselves vindicated at the judgment. Judgment being the end of time when God um, sits and declares whether people are um, doing good or not, basically. I would argue here that Paul isn't talking about communities of people who have consciences which point them to God. Rather, um, as Craig talked about last week, um, everything in nature points to God, including our consciences. But Romans here is, um, I think it's, yeah, Romans there, um, is talking about Gentile Christians um, who actually in some way are changed from the inside to reflect the nature of the law being the, um, the things in the law that are the, at the crux of the law. They um, have their lives changed. They're not trying to achieve the law, but they're actually somehow um, being changed from within. But at the same time, they are, um, it's not their works that are um, declaring them righteous. Somehow they are being declared righteous. So, my dad actually told me to not staple them and to number them. I just obey your parents, guys. But clear, clearly in there, man. <laughs> just take a moment just to reflect on all the amazing things that you've learned so far, and I will find my notes. Gosh. Mm-hmm. All right. This is a much quicker sermon because I have stapled my notes in the wrong order, so you're welcome. And all right. So if we can't just keep judging others, hands up, who thinks we can keep judging others? No, cool. <laughs> and we know that um, actually we need to be turning from our sin. Who Hands up, who realises that we need to turn from our sin? Yes, some hands, cool. Um, then what do we do about these masks that are 
in our lives. Well, we take off our masks. Yes, we turn from our sin, but we turn towards Jesus. And when we turn towards Jesus, we are actually um, being authentic because we're no longer having these masks up. Authenticity, according to my pal Brené Brown, is a collection of choices that we have to make every day. It's about the choice to show up and to be real, the choice to be honest, and the choice to let our true selves be seen. It means acknowledging that you and I, like the audience that Paul is writing to, are actually in need of redemption. Things aren't what our masks would make us believe. This is a part of what was and is really amazing about um, confession in the Catholic Church and in the early church, and it's a practice that we don't do on a regular basis in the Protestant Church. But that practice was about being honest with um, our Christian family, um, about being honest with who we are, with God. And this honesty and this authenticity was seen as a part of being human. You don't have to go ahead and be vulnerable and authentic with every person you meet. But you do need to practice it because we actually know that authenticity is the key to compassion and the antidote to shame and to judging others and to the attitude that Paul was speaking against in the beginning of Romans 2. Being real and authentic with God is actually the key to everlasting joy and peace. So, I'm going to get you guys to do a bit of confession um, and to check yourself before you wreck yourself um, and ask you to write your own mask. And I'm going to do that. There's masks at the end of each of the rows and pens and I'm going to get you guys to just pass them down. Slowly but surely. Yeah, amazing. Um, and what I might do is I might get the band to come up and begin playing. That'd be amazing. Or like someone from the band. Um, and what we're going to do is um, you can write whatever you want on it, um, on the front and on the back. But um, what we're going to do at the end is we're going to scrunch it up in a ball and you're not going to throw it at people's heads, but you're going to throw it in, around the room, kind of like a paper snowball fight. No paper cuts, please. And um, on the front, you can write, um, I'd be as honest as you want. Obviously, this is up to you. The paper shouldn't be tracked back to you. Um, but we write the things that we actually are holding up to the world, um, whether that's just who you are and who people think you are, um, or the things that you, um, the emotions that people just see on you on a regular basis. And then on the back, I'm going to ask you to write um, what's actually going underneath for you right now whether it's the things that you are judging other people for that you struggle with, or whether it's just the things that you um, haven't been able to share because there is judgment or there is gossip in this church community. I'm going to give you some time to do that, a couple of minutes. And, um, and then we're going to worship. Points to, into God's favour. 
To be right with God, we need a change of heart, which happens through Christ Jesus. We are given this change of heart so that when God, through Christ Jesus, judges everyone's secret life, he knows what's going on. And he's been shaping us through his spirit. So, does somebody remember what we were meant to remember from the beginning? Check yourself before you wreck yourself. So, this is us checking ourselves, guys. And my prayer for you is that this week you find people that you can take down that mask and you can, um, you can see who you are and whose you are in Christ Jesus. You ready? Know people's faces. One, two, three, go! <laughs> Thanks, guys. You've been listening to a sermon from Hills Baptist Church. To find out more or to hear other great content, find us at hillsbaptist.com or on your podcast app.